0: Hi, I'm Christy Hurt, the founder of The CoLab. We are a collective of brand professionals sharing our career stories. Every week, we pair up two members and they interview each other. So you'll get to hear one episode this week and one next week. We're heading into our third year of The Collab, and you can join us too. Sign up at jointhecolab.com and then tell your story. My name is Pam Barrick and I've worked in the luxury sector of both home and fashion for the past 25 years. Today I'm going to be interviewing Abby Bruce. Hi, Abby. Hi. So first of all, I just want to tell you that I'm obsessed with Maker & Sons, also obsessed with Pantone. So this is like, I was very excited to see both of those on your resume.
1: They are very exciting brands, definitely.
0: (laughs) I mean, Maker and Son did some very interesting, like, sort of marketing plays. So I'll be curious to hear about that. But if you could just give a
1: little bit of background, school, family, that would be great. I'm one of those. People that has lived in a lot of places. I'm sort of annoying in conversation because I'll frequently say, oh yeah, I lived there, or oh yeah, I lived there. And, and strangely, I did. I, I don't know why, but my, my parents moved around a lot when we were little, so I, I don't know how many states, five, six, seven states, sort of before I was 10 or 12. So we moved a lot. I was always the new girl. I was born in Madison, Wisconsin. My parents were high school sweethearts in Racine,
0: I'm a Midwesterner too, so we've got that in
1: common. Yeah, yeah, it's a really good thing. So yeah, a lot of my heart and and family and love is in Wisconsin. I did ultimately end up going back there also for college, like all of my family did. So I'm completely a badger. And I, yeah, but, I, but randomly I, I grew up in Florida, in Clearwater, Florida, which I mean, couldn't be more different than Wisconsin, but I had a really... Really fun high school time in Clearwater, Florida, and that is how I ended up in Miami after graduation.
0: okay, I lived in Miami too, so there's all we're we're crossing we're crossing paths I mean
1: I went because it snowed I was graduating in May, and on the first of May it snowed in in Wisconsin, and I said no no way, no way and i i I think i I nearly lost friendships because i canceled plans to move to Chicago and have roommates and start an internship. And I literally just packed a suitcase and moved to Miami. What
0: was your major in college? Did you do business marketing?
1: Yeah, I did journalism and mass communications. I knew I, I, so here's what I knew. I used to watch a TV show in the eighties called 30 something, and I loved it. And I I wanted to do what they did. I knew I wanted to work in an advertising agency. I didn't really know what that meant. I just knew that. And in order to do advertising at Wisconsin, it was in the School of Communications. And that was how I ended up there. I didn't go to business school. I didn't want to do the math. So that was how I ended up there. And I loved it. I I wish I would have known about it earlier because I don't think I picked a major until partway through my junior year. I think. And I wish I'd known sooner I would have done more communications classes than I did.
0: I mean, I'm always amazed when kids that age have a clear, clearly defined idea of what they want to do. I just am so envious of that. You know, my brother is an oral surgeon and he knew like from day one that that's what he wanted to do. So I think your path is probably more
1: typical. Yeah. You know, where you declare, I don't know how many different majors I, but you know when it's wrong. I mean, my, my, my mom said, oh, why don't you do education? That's a great career. And I think I lasted two weeks in the school. I, I would have been a terrible teacher and I, I had to sit through an ed psych class for a whole semester. I really hated it. So, you know, you, I think that's the easier path is trying things that, you know, don't work. And then. And then when you end up where you were, but I think the hard part, I don't know, know what, you, what you studied yet, which we'll find out. I think the hard part about knowing I wanted to work in advertising or just knowing there was something creative I wanted to do was that it's very hard to get a job in advertising. And it's definitely very hard at that age to get a job that pays any money. I always had to, I paid my way through college. I always had to have a job. And so taking an internship was out of the question. Uh, and it turns out that that's mostly how people work in advertising at that age.
0: My first husband was in advertising and I think it was like, it was literally a family connection. It was like his grandfather knew the founder of the advertise. you know, it was that like that he would not have gotten the job otherwise.
1: No, no. I mean, I had a family connection, but I was... Yeah, my family connection was not in advertising, but I did get a job thanks to family and I was making photocopies in a research lab. So (laughs) I I didn't have the right family connections for that.
0: I know you were like, definitely don't want to do this. Check.
1: No, check. Knew that. So... So, yeah, I mean, I did ultimately, it wasn't my first job, but I did ultimately, I did ultimately get a job in an advertising agency after I, after I got married. So I had that helped because then I wasn't the only one paying. the
0: Were you on the account side? Is that what you're doing?
1: I was an account director. Yeah. I mean, I started, I started at like clipping. That was back when we did clippings. So I clipped the Sunday papers for all the sofa ads because our, our one of our big, Client, this was in London and one of our big clients was, I don't know, Comfort. I can't remember what it was called, but I did the clippings. And then after that, I was responsible for like, do you remember trannies, transparencies? So keeping all the transparencies for the catalogs. So I did definitely like junior of all junior account management jobs, which I think is super important. And now, I mean, now we don't have transparencies anymore, but those were the kinds of things that I did. And I was thrilled. I, I was just so happy to be working at an advertising agency, I literally would have done whatever they asked me to do. So that was a lot lot of fun. And, and I think it paid off. I mean, ultimately I stayed with, I worked with McCann Erickson in Manchester, in the north of England. And then, and then they they moved me to London because I was working on a, a MasterCard account. And then ultimately they also moved me to Paris when I was working on the Nestle account. So I like to think that a lot of my, like doing whatever it took. Did pay off. I ultimately stayed with them for like 12 years and felt like, I really felt like it was an amazing thing because I felt like I got to stay in the same framework, but that my job got to change. And I I know that about myself. I, I need change. And so being an account manager and working on multiple accounts really worked well for me. I enjoyed that a lot.
0: And then how did you transition out of the a- advertising firm world?
1: I was sort of famous for feeling like before I had children, I don't know if you have children, but before I had children, I didn't feel like advertising was the type of job that would support a a woman with children. I just thought, you know, I didn't. And anyway, so when I got pregnant, I did try, I did try to go back to work part-time and it completely didn't work. It completely didn't work. I was a different person.
0: Was it, were you traveling a lot? Was that? Part of
1: the issue? I think my heart just changed. I, I think I just wanted to, I wanted to be able to be with my baby. And I didn't have that. I mean, I was, I was still pitching for new business, like, I don't know, a week before my baby came out. You know, I was really, I really loved my job and I was giant. And, and I think, I don't know what people thought, but I, I was, I loved it. And I, I totally thought I was going to come back and, you know, run the world. And I didn't want to anymore in that way. So I did for a few years, I worked part-time and then, you know, you you just don't at that stage. And it was like early 2000s. You just didn't get the interesting work. And also being, I was in Paris at the time and I, even though I spoke French, I wasn't a French person and I wasn't a French speaker. And so it was even harder to really do interesting work.
0: Do you feel like the, how women and motherhood and that sort of thing is handled in europe or the uk is different from how it is in the united states in the workplace
1: my instinct tells me yes i never had a baby in the u.s so i can't i can't speak from first-hand experience but i can i can say i feel like i had a baby in the best place i could have i mean the social system is completely in place for families in in france you know i you're meant to not work, you know, six to eight weeks before you give birth. And there's a lot of things in place that really prevent you from, from working because you really should be looking after yourself. And there was no pressure for when I had to go back. I had nine months off and that didn't, you know, through a combination of seniority and state support, there was no pressure during that time. I, I feel incredibly lucky when I talk to other women who have babies here, and that's not the case. So I definitely felt very looked after, and I, I just don't think that is what happens here.
0: You always hear about the multitude of like ways in which women are supported, and when they're pregnant, afterwards, in Europe.
1: I mean, it's not always good for the business, you know, definitely, I mean, I was surrounded by, you know, usually at a stage when you're having children, your peers are also having them. And so I'm, I have many friends who had been working for large French organizations for a number of years. And when they, you know, then you have your baby and you can take time off and you can take parental leave and they, they effectively have to hold the job for you. So it's fantastic as a, as a woman and, and as a grown up, and as a, as a career person, it's fantastic to, to know that that's there for you. It's very hard for a business and it's very hard for your colleagues because that post Gets more or less frozen, and so you know, I and I do know women who had three or four or even five children, and you know, so so you could have a position that you hadn't been to for you know six, seven, eight, nine, ten years, still held for you. So I I mean, somewhere between those two extremes is is probably right. I think it's an incredibly stressful thing, particularly for women, and thankfully men are getting a bit more of a say and and being counted as the parents they are when babies come along than, than they ever were before. It's an incredibly momentous time. So then did you go to Panton right after that? So then after I went back to work at McCann and then I, I had a few years off. I mean, I don't think I've ever had time off, but I wasn't formally working for a corporation. I was like a scout leader and I started a women's group and I was, I, I'm never, I'm not idle very often, but then we, I was mostly at home. So my husband was a pilot and he was mostly not at home. So one of us had to be home. And so I had
0: oh my gosh, you're one of the people with all the amazing airlines perks. Envious, envious.
1: I think it's because of that I never have felt like I emigrated. I don't ever feel, I mean, because we were always able to fly, I've always been able to fly home because of his benefits that I think that is a a really incredible benefit. Yeah. So it meant I was home for a few years and and what a beautiful place to be home because I was in a really small village and I was, I had bright friends. I had friends that were also at home, which I think is often unusual for a woman to, you know, certainly if you're a career woman, it's hard to be at home if you don't find other like-minded people. And I did. So I was home for a few years and I definitely took advantage of being in France. And I did a lot of cooking, which was extremely nice and really just spent time at, at home being a mother for a few years. And then we left France because we, a number of different reasons, but we also, you know, you come to different milestones with your kids. I think we were both concerned if we'd been there too much longer, we were really in, investing in a life that they were likely to want to stay in. And and neither of us were sure that we wanted that. So we ended up going back to the UK. And from a business point of view, that was really fantastic for me. I always felt like London in particular and the UK is an incredibly dynamic environment to work in and particularly coming out of paris and out of france where i was a still am i'm still a woman but i was a woman then i'm a woman now sometimes it's hard it was hard being a woman and particularly being a foreign woman in in that environment and because i didn't speak the language perfectly and i work in a you know strategic environment i didn't feel like i could command a, a, a team or a room or a project in the way I could in my own language. So I was happy to be working in, in London. I had been consulting and I enjoyed consulting, but one of the things that is harder to do in consulting is finding the right mix of clients, particularly when you're working in a big agency where you, you've you got big, big projects, big strategic problems. And then when which i was for good reason i was working with sort of small businesses and small business owners who ironically have really big problems but just like a big corporation does but they almost never have the the budget for marketing you know marketing is arguably next to accounting probably one of the biggest needs they have and helping navigate what normally you'd have a team of three four five twenty fifteen to do and being a one-man band is that was that was harder but i feel like because
0: Because you had such good training from what you said earlier, you know, like you really, you had experienced like every single part of the business as you're like rising through the ranks, like you are actually uniquely suited to, to be in a situation like that where you have to wear many
1: hats. Oh, definitely. Definitely. But yeah, but you still only get paid for one hat. Oh yeah, of course. (laughs) That's called consulting that is called consulting. I mean ultimately yes, ultimately I then did was consulting for for big companies like you know like Pantone and and that I feel much more comfortable in those kind of environments. Consulting with on those sort of big corporate or strategic projects where you also have you can lean on different teams. You have cross functional partners essentially. Exactly. It's a good way of saying it.
0: So what in your most recent past like you What are the few things that you've done before you came
1: back to Charlotte? Well, I'd say the most recent past, you know, I was at Pantone for a number of years. And that that was extremely exciting. You know, that was a very, it was a very European job. It was very varied. You know, I mean, like marketing is always varied, but sort of responsibilities, you know, ranged from Channel marketing and dealer support to product launches. I don't even know how many products we launched, but a lot in the time I was there. Events. So we were at all of the major events because Pantone, you know, as a language of color, Pantone is present anywhere there's design presence. So whether that's a, a printer, or a print and packaging, or a fashion designer, or an interior designer, or a product designer, you know, the need to be present at all industry trade shows. So we, you know, there was a whole lot of event marketing. And then a part that I really, really enjoyed was color partnerships and raising visibility of Pantone in Europe. You know, Pantone's an American brand and very, very well known the world over, but a lot of the initial partners I felt anyway, were American-centric and I really wanted to make Pantone relevant in, in Europe. And so I worked with a number of more European iconic brands. So, I mean, things like Royal Mail in the UK, or a real favorite, which was Manor, Viennese biscuits, Viennese wafers rather in in Austria, Piper Heatsick Champagne and their love of red. So really working with brands within those key markets for Pantone in Europe and and celebrating the creation of their own custom color or their heritage color and, and bringing awareness to Pantone through that. So that was a part I really enjoyed. And then you know, as much as I loved Pantone, I was on an airport airplane like every week and I have three kids at home. So that was really hard. That's how difficult. I could imagine. Yeah. So I, I decided to hang up my, what do you call those air miles? Yeah. And then I went to work with a little, what was a little company at the time, maker and son, a father and son business. And it spoke to everything in my heart. My grandparents were both carpenters and cabinet makers. And so The idea that I could be working in an environment where the products were being made in front of me, I think that was, I was absolutely drawn to that. I was a marketing manager of one and we did everything. And through a combination of, I mean, very clever people, very creative people, in-house everything. Well,
0: and people like yourself who have a rich history in home. I was so fascinated and I've always talk to people about the mobile showroom concept which probably is not scalable however like especially during the pandemic I thought what a genius idea that someone could you know roll up and like have a chair or sofa or something for you to experience in that way and like have it be so I don't know I mean i I originally, many years ago, was a buyer for anthropology, and I bought home and found objects and a million other categories. And at the time, their split between web and retail was like 10% web, 90% brick and mortar. And of course, now it's completely flipped. But I remember having those conversations with people back then saying, like, I can't imagine someone buying a sofa like without ever seeing it or without sitting in it, you know, that just like boggled the mind, you know, and now obviously people are very comfortable doing that. But I thought the mobile showroom idea was like an interesting thing for maybe people like me who still like that, like in-person tactile experience.
1: I mean, people like you are probably, you know, 70 or 80% of the customers, you know, that's quite normal. I mean, it's that much more reassuring though, when you can sit in it and feel it. I mean, I think the mobile showroom is wonderful.
0: For most people, like those are the big investment pieces. They need to be comfortable. You spend a lot of time on them. They need to last. Yeah. So it's like, I thought that was just, I, I feel like I sent, as soon as I got that, I sent it to everybody I know that works in the business and was just like, oh my God, this is such a good idea. I love it.
1: It is a great idea. And it's, I mean, it's a really, it's, it's a, it's a great connector. I mean, I think, you know, for the, for the salespeople to be able to, you know, be in that space with their customer, I think is, is incredible. There's a, you know, I think it goes well beyond just selling furniture. You know, you, you end up designing rooms and designing homes and being invited to dinner. And it's a, it's a very intimate, really fun face, And it's a, a fantastic concept.
0: Now you're back in the United States and consulting.
1: Yeah, I, I took a, a big leap of faith in, in the spring. I My mom had passed away during COVID and my parents had moved to North Carolina just before COVID. They'd always wanted to retire here. And I knew that my dad was alone and I knew he needed some help. And I also knew I had kids in high school and that, you know, you've got certain windows of opportunity when you can move. And I think I don't know, lots of people have said there was something in the water in earlier in April this year and there was a lot of people making giant tectonic life changes. And and I did. And I it nothing felt more right, I'll be honest. I I it was time to go. And so and it was one of those a bit like, I think it's time to go. And everybody nodded their heads and we said, Let's go. So so I came home for, you know, for love and support my dad. And I also, my kids had been having a terrible time, like a lot of kids in school, not just during COVID.
0: Yeah. I mean, I just can't even imagine.
1: Yeah. They really struggled and I couldn't, I couldn't see how I was going to change that in the environment they were in on the one hand. And I also knew that I loved high school. I know that's rare. The more I talk to people, most people hated high school. Most people hated it, but I loved it. And I wanted my kids to have that. And I felt I could give them that. So I, and my, my, my youngest daughter would probably say she manifested the experience. She, you know, desperately wanted high school musical life. And I'm like, let's do it. Let's go to American high school. So that all those things together and we did, and we're here and, honestly it's honestly going extremely well there's music in the hallways which they think is very cool there is Wow okay I know it's like happy school and they're, they you know they play sports and I and I cheer from the bleachers which was impossible in England you know my son's a basketball player which is completely not a British well not completely but pretty much not a British sport and you know I, I never got to watch him there wasn't room there's like one bench. So I'm here and enjoying my kids having this experience. I think Charlotte is a beautiful place. I think I've learned through all of my moves, which have been many, that you can't compare. So I can't tell you whether it's better or worse or, you know, it's just, it's definitely different than Europe and Europe is different than America. You know, it's definitely different. I think you can going say confidently
0: say yes, yes
1: to that. It is different than Europe. It's definitely different. But there's a lot of wonderful things and my kids being happy every day is, and that's not even like, I'm not making that up. It's been a good move. And, And I think if you're a mother and your kids are happy, it doesn't get much better than that. So, you know, the challenge for me more professionally is to, is to make sure that I still continue to work with companies and people and brands that have a level of sophistication that keeps me engaged. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. You don't want to be bored.
1: I can't be bored. I can't I can't be bored. <laughs> it's not
0: a thing for you. Thanks so much for being here for the Collab Career Stories podcast. Please follow us on social media at join the collab and sign up to become a member and share your story at jointhecollab.com.